I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Sumitha Rao. Um, she is, this is, I, I'm very excited about this, and it's gonna be a very interesting story, but Sumitha is a, a former professional tennis player and Olympian, um, turned corporate finance professional and, and residential real estate investor. So I, I want to, have you tell your story so I don't take any of the thunder away from it just by reading the bio. Uh, but first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, really absolutely. Excited. So why don't you kind of tell us your story, start honestly wherever you want, and uh, and then we'll go in, you know, into detail on whatever seems most interesting. Sure. I have lots of questions, but we'll... <laughs> Awesome. Cool. Cool. I get, I get a little tired of hearing my own voice sometimes, but I'll try. <laughs> um, yeah. So I currently live in Indianapolis, Indiana. I am a real estate investor. Real estate is kind of still my high side hustle. Um, I invest in mostly uh, long-term buying holds. I have a short-term rental. Um, I have a full-time job in the corporate finance world. Um, I'm a finance manager at a mortgage data firm here. Um, and I don't know, like right now, I think I feel pretty privileged <laughs> um, with where kind of like my life and stuff has taken me. But um, it was definitely like a very different and kind of um, at times difficult road to, to get here. So um, my background is not uh, my initial background is not in the corporate world is not in education or anything like that. I dropped out of school after sixth grade to uh, train full time. Um, so that I could become a professional tennis player. Um, girls uh, on the women's side, we peak pretty young, or we used to now. There's more longevity, but when I was still playing, um, uh, people were winning slams at like 15, 16, 17, you know? So um, to train full-time at the age of 11, 12 was, was pretty normal in that world. Um, and then I turned pro when I was about 14, 15, and I played, uh, I competed professionally for nine years, retiring when I was 23. Um, it was really interesting life, really different life. Um, not one that I want to go back to, <laughs> but I am thankful for, um, a lot of what it taught me, a lot of that, a lot of the things that I've, I learned on that path, on that journey have really helped me today, you know, um. I think uh, there are a lot of things that make for like successful people and successful real estate investors. You know, you have to be able to kind of believe in the journey, believe in um, what you're doing, you know, be okay with long-term gratification and just like be resilient and work really, really hard. And those are um, just a few of the things that a life, all those years in athletics taught me. Yeah. Uh, it's so if, if you don't mind, we can talk a little bit about that. Cause yeah, I, I'm, I'll just feel free to interrupt me whenever. <laughs> <laughs> very, very big on, you know, sort of mindset. And I'm sure, I mean, I, I, I love sports, you know, athletics in general. Uh, I've played sports all my life. I never played at a professional level or anything like that, but I, 
I'm fascinated by like the life of a, of an athlete, the professional athletes, especially and 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 in certain sports, like you said, tennis and, and gymnastics, I'm sure there are like diving that they're professional athletes are young in general, right? It's like no, nobody's almost nobody's like 50 years old and, and starting their professional athletic career. Everybody's generally pretty young, but some of those sports, especially are at a, at a very, very young age. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, tennis, you're, you're, you know, sort of going pro at early teens and, and some of the, I'm shocked at how young some of the gymnasts are and things like that. So, I mean, that, that's obviously a very different path to follow than someone who does, you know, sort of the traditional go to school through high school, potentially college, then going on. And I don't necessarily think that one's right or one's wrong, but, but I, I wonder if we could dive into sort of what, uh, you know, you sort of mentioned some of the things that it helped you later in life. And I assume, you know, there's a lot to do with discipline and all of that. But so maybe we can talk about the, the pros and the cons, because you also said, I don't want to go back to that life. So I, I, I'm sure that there's, there's some to it that, uh, you know, maybe, if, maybe sometimes we, professional athletes, young athletes feel like their childhood, some of it was taken away in, in some regards. So maybe you can talk a little bit about some of that stuff, just, um, you know, how, how it was structured for you and, and how that's impacted you now. And then we'll, and then we'll talk about, you know, the influence on real estate from there. Yeah, sure. So um, I think the life seems kind of glamorous on the outside. There are definitely very cool aspects to it. I mean, nothing really beats um, being able to experience new cultures by traveling or like playing to sold out stadiums. Like that stuff's pretty cool. That's, that's what people see. Um, I think what you don't see um, is like the life of rigor that leads up to that, the decades, like all the sacrifices. I mean, like, I remember, like, I had to drop out of school after sixth grade, because even as early as fifth grade, like, I was playing, like, a lot of weekend tournaments, um, and I was missing, like, a lot of times the finals would be on Monday, and I was missing so much school that, like, I was a very good student, but my grades were seriously slipping, because if I missed a test or I missed enough days, they just give me, like, zeros, you know, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, okay, so now I'm failing, this is great, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there's, a, there is very much a lack of any sort of, um, like, outside world, you know, like, it's you, you wake up, you, everything, you wake up, you eat, you train, you eat, you nap, you rest, you train, you lift or do whatever, and then you collapse in bed and do it again the next day, you know, there's, really everything, every single thing you consume um, mentally, physically, whatever is geared toward optimal performance. So that's like, that's a very challenging life. And I mean, if you think about being an adult and like maybe being on like a constant diet, like that's not fun, right? Like think about having, like elevating that to the nth degree and being eight years old, <laughs> you know? Right. So. And yeah. um, honestly, like women's athletics, there's a lot more, I'm grateful that there's a lot more awareness being um, kind of shined on, I mean, there's no other way to say it, what people do yeah. to young girls, yeah. you know, and uh, the things that we're hearing in gymnastics and stuff like that, not, that's not surprising to me. Like tennis players, female tennis players deal with all that stuff on a regular basis. But at the end of the day, like, 
what sells tickets matters, money talks and everyone's in search of money. And a lot of times, like a lot of the girls are too young, you know, to know mm-hmm. what's being done, like what is right and what is wrong. That's just, again, that's just the life. And if a lot of other people are going through it, that's suddenly the norm. Yeah. So there's definitely like, yeah, there's definitely like drawbacks to it and sacrifices. And it's when you're living that life, you're not prepared like what if what if you don't succeed? What if you don't come out with a giant retirement fund, et cetera? What then? You're you are ill prepared to deal with the world to support yourself. Many most people I know, um, even like really fantastic people, like they went back to coach. Like you never actually get to. It's hard to have an identity outside of the sport. It does. It's not what you do. It it becomes very much of who you are. Your your status as a human is de- is dependent a lot of times by whether you win or lose. That's people will treat you differently from day to day at times. So there are definitely like tremendous things that like have set me up very well for life. But also, um, I think a lot of things that people don't realize that we have to go through when you come up in that in that life. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, and I think. It, it's it touched on a lot there. And I think that there's people don't realize, right. It's, it, and it's, I mean, I, I actually, if you, this is great to talk about. And I, I think um, in, in relation to, you know, even, even relating it to real estate, just briefly, it's like what you see in athletics and what you see in real estate is you, what you see is the end product, right. You see, you see the victories, you see, you know, the fame you see in real estate, you see Grant Cardone, right? But you don't see the 25 years leading up to Grant Cardone. You don't, you don't hear the midnight calls of basements flooding. You don't right. hear yeah, people losing $20,000 on like a roof, et cetera, like yeah. a tree falling down, like the most ridiculous things, you know, you don't hear about the grind. Right. It's- people, people don't, that, that's not the, what people put on social media and especially, you know, and, and, the, I mean, the, the Larry Nassar thing with in gymnastics is just, I mean, it's devastating as a, as a, as a father. And I, when it first came out, I wasn't a father, but, and I still felt like I can't even imagine, like, I can't imagine what, what these girls, I mean, they're, they're your children, right? They're children when this is happening and, and can't imagine what, what they're going through. I can't imagine what the parents are going through still. It's not like, it's not like that just happened and it's like, oh, well, that was before. Now it's like everybody's still dealing. That sort of thing lives with you. Yeah. It never leaves. And um, yeah, like I'd be hard pressed to know of a single female athlete who did well, who wasn't abused in some sort of way. It just, it doesn't happen. A good friend of mine who's a speaker here in Indy, um, we grew up training together and she uh, was speaking at an event. I, I will never, ever forget this. She said growing up as a top level junior tennis player was like living out the Hunger Games. And it's not, it's not much of an exaggeration to many of us because there are like very real consequences if you lose, ones that threaten your safety. So. Yeah. I, Sorry, I took this down a very sobering path. No, no, no. I, I, I was actually going to apologize. I don't like. I don't want to bring up hard no, things. No, fine. Talk about, I mean, I, I think people need to know. There's right. Not that's enough. what I. That's what I, I think. This is important stuff. Like, real estate or not, I don't care. Like, th- this is important stuff that I don't think. I think it's easy for some people to just 
see that, that, that it was a new story, right? Maybe they didn't, they didn't have any, they didn't have any kids in gymnastics. They don't like, it's easy to sort of. An isolated incident. It sounds like an isolated incident. Right. Yeah. Really to the extent that it was of a single person having so much impact on so many high profile athletes, maybe, but those experiences to the athletes themselves were not at all isolated. That's prevalent. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's at an institutional level, right? Like the, the, the gymnastics, the USA gymnastics, let it happen. They didn't do anything about it. They didn't, you know, nobody, nobody came to the rescue of these girls. Like nobody, like, great. Now, now Larry Nasser is in jail and whatever, like he, but I don't even think like you could say, oh, justice is now served. It's not, no, it's not. It's these girls have these girls are traumatized for life like right. women, not girls anymore right they're, they're not girls anymore now they're women and they're still tra- like this, like you said this doesn't go away and it uh, it's uh i i i really you know that stuff hits hits home in terms of now that now that i have children i i have a daughter i have a four-month-old daughter and i'm like these are the things that i'm gonna have to worry about not as far down the road as i would like to think i have to worry about them right, you know, right. it's just like just being there, just being there to protect them and, and, and be, and, and I guess empowering her to protect herself, uh, which I think is probably a thing that gets missed in, in young athletes as well. In that the sense that it's like, I'm sure, you know, parents, they're excited to see their kids achieve. And they're like, look, my, my, my daughter's playing a professional sport at, at 13. Like that's amazing. And it is amazing, but there's a sacrifice to that. And I don't, and I think that part of it goes unrecognized and, um yeah it's it's very it's very scary and i um i don't we we can talk about as much as or as little as you want i don't i don't want to you know if that's hard and a hard topic i don't also don't want to you know kind of harp on it but i think it's it's important stuff Uh, it is important like and just to kind of go on with that subject a little bit like yeah it's great that the kids are doing well but what happens so often what you see so often is that the person's ability to perform um, becomes the priority and the person's needs as a human become, to, 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 to relate this back to real estate, they're like a second lean position, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to bring this out of like this. Okay, don't, don't even, that does not have to be, you don't have to relate at all, but it, but it, it, I mean, it is, it's like, because ultimately in real estate, you know, most people are, looking at it as a sort of a high achiever type of profession, right? When you, when you really get serious in real estate investing, it becomes, uh, you can have quite a success, but people aren't, people don't in general terms, don't realize the sacrifice. I have to imagine that. And I know, you know, that real estate's a male dominated profession. I'm guessing that the stuff's still happening. I mean, women aren't as they're not little girls anymore, but I'm guessing there's still some component of it that it's I some guys are just jerks. <laughs> like, I, mean, they, I mean, yeah, humans are always kind of fallible. I've been lucky enough to not have to experience that aspect of it. And like a different aspect is just that like being in a male dominant space, it's um, the fact that it is male dominated kind of the, the idea of that is adopted by those not even in the space, right? And so like as a female getting into it by both those in the space and those outside of it, it's harder to be taken seriously. Um, 
when I was, I was at a conference, a multifamily like syndication conference. Oh gosh, was it last year? I don't even know anymore with COVID. Um, yeah, a blur over the last year and a half, two years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there were people actually like asking me really personal questions. Like, are you divorced? Like this, that, yeah, they're almost like trying to understand where my, like my, my money source, my capital source for investing came from. And I was just like, would you be asking a dude any of these questions? This is absolutely absurd, you know? And even outside, like people would ask if I had like a partner helping me and I'm like, nah, like I can figure this out. Like, I don't, I don't know. Would you be asking if someone, if like a dude's girlfriend was helping them? Like, probably not. Why are we even? So it's just that that, that can be more fresh. That's frustrating at first, but also it can be harder when you're kind of starting to, if you're not respected, you don't get the same opportunities. Yeah. Right. So that is kind of where the impact is. It's not just about feeling like you don't belong. It's not just about hurt feelings. Like it's about the playing field being slightly different. The actual opportunities are not, are not equal. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, the world, the world is (laughs) how deep we have gone so deep. I know. I like it. This is good. Um, you know, the, it, it's, I've heard, I've heard other women, not necessarily even on my podcast, but I've heard other women on other podcasts allude to some of that. And I feel like it's another thing that people are just like, I probably shouldn't talk about this because I'm going to get shunned or so, you know what I mean? Like just that I sort care. of, I will blast things open. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I don't care either. I'm like, I, I, I just, yeah. But I think that I, it, it, it's sad. It's a shame. It's, yeah. it's just, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. It should, there shouldn't be limitations, double standards. What, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't really matter. Um, and so I, I, you know, hopefully that will, will change with time. Although uh, it'll probably take a long time because it's already been a long time like this. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about real estate and then if we decide to go back to the other stuff. That's fine too. Uh, tell me, so tell me a little bit about, you know, kind of your path once you, you know, went to the corporate world and, and then you started, you got into investing in real estate. Tell, tell me a little bit about that, you know, kind of how that timeline worked. Yeah. So I, after I graduated college, um, I just kind of wanted, I really desperately wanted, needed a steady paycheck after year, years of like volatile cash flow, you know? Um, and so I got a job at um, a multinational defense contractor. I was in their leadership training program, which is basically a management accelerant training program for the finance group and um, worked really hard. I thought things were going really well. I was doing like a lot of high visibility um, work, um, interfacing with execs. I thought it was great. Um, And then a couple of things happened. One, I learned um, that despite having a lot, doing a lot of things that, that the rest of my cohort wasn't doing and doing things that really impacted the company in a large way, I somehow was the lowest paid of my cohort and it didn't really I like had no idea why like I had literally won company awards for the work that I'd done um and then another time was um I was having lunch with my rotation manager and um I forgot how this came up but he was like yeah like we know you're good at things but we just don't know what and I was just like what 
I was like literally just and that was after like I had like a really good year this that, and the other and I was just like I do not does not does not compute this does not compute and I just got so frustrated um because here I was like everyone in my cohort had also just graduated undergrad but I was several years older due to the fact that I already had a successful career I traveled the world like overcome a ton of um wow I'm losing my mind Adversity. I was about to say diverse, and I was like, that is the wrong <laughs> word. Yeah. Um, I a lot of adversity, like had to go to community college, like work two jobs all through college, like this, that, and the other just to get there. And then this person who like never left his hometown, had only known one job, was going to tell me like, I don't recognize your value. And then later I find out like I was being, not being paid as much, like that was impacting like my life choices and I was just like this no we're not doing this you know um so that's when I looked into trying to find some ways to better influence my financial future and it took a couple iterations like I just got really into saving but then I got frustrated with that because there's still a ceiling you know travel hacking was cool I still do that but like I still only get 15 days off a year so what does that even matter <laughs> you know after those two weeks yeah. um and so I eventually found like the Bigger Pockets podcast and I realized um, there's more to it than that. And even then it took me a while to catch on. So I was like, oh, cool. Like I'll get it. I was living in Boston. The cost of housing is really expensive. I was like, I'll just get a duplex. I can save like one to two grand a month. Life will be great. And then uh, I started hearing about like out-of-state investing, this, that, and the other. And I was like, mind blown. <laughs> you know, there's like, I can actually build wealth in a way that like, was totally incomprehensible to me or like Ben or like a younger me, you know what I mean? Like I came from a family that wasn't, my parents are immigrants who weren't terribly well off, like self-employed, they owned a liquor store, like just worked every day, literally every day, never took a vacation, no one else helped run it, they never hired anyone else. Um, so yeah, it was just like very mind blowing. And as I dug into it more, I just, I was just like hooked. I was like addicted, you know, and just consumed everything I could. Um, and I didn't have money at the time still, cause I was in grad school and I just gotten out of college, but like, it took like almost two years to save up just a little bit of a nest egg. Um, and that's when I started investing. I was living in Boston. Things were just, I would have to save for like a decade. You know, wasn't really comfortable with the concept of like no money down when like, whose money am I going to use? Even if I had money, why would I use their money when I'm like, I've never done this before. Like that just, that whole thing, it still doesn't make sense to me. Like I still refuse to do it until I learn the asset class and I'm like comfortable in it. Um, or I have like a strong like resource or a partner who's like strong in that area, you know? So I'm just like, yeah, so saved up. I, uh, started buying in Indianapolis, um, continued to do the wrong, long distance thing for a while. And then I just kind of, as I got into it more, I realized um, that I need to make a change. You know, the corporate world is very, I'm still in it, but the corporate world is very, very cutthroat. It's very much uh, put in your whole life and we'll see, we'll see if we like you, you know, kind of thing. Um, and we may or may not get cut when we downsize just yeah. what we decide exactly exactly um so and especially i think on the coast it's more so like that like i was in boston like the coastal finance scene is is intense you know and so um 
cost of housing was high. I didn't see myself buying a place there. So with all of these things, like I was just like, maybe I should just try Indiana. I like, I have houses there. <laughs> like if everything goes wrong, I'll just move into one of them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, I could still keep my job. So there was also like a really big kind of geo arbitrage component, which would help me reach my goals faster. You know, um, the Boston salary goes a long way in the middle of the country. Yeah. So that was kind of how I ended up in Indiana and just kept building my portfolio through like the discretionary piece of like my income. So that's involved a lot of house hacking. I've just started getting into like private lending. I'm in my second deal with a private lender, you know, and none of this stuff is cheap. It all has to be paid back. You'll, you always have to have reserves and cash up front. So um, three years in, three and a half years in, I'm at 10 doors. I hope by the end of the week, I'll be at nine doors. I've been trying to sell this place for a <laughs> while, but the lender, like the, the buyer's financing is just like this weird mess of stuff. Um, so it's been pushed back a couple of times, but yeah, that's kind of where, where I am now. Yeah. So you were, I, I understand why you would, I'm, I'm originally from Boston, so I'm well familiar with the, uh, cost of living out there. Asshole or no? Cause I vote no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess technically yes, but I don't know that I've, I've, I'd like to think I don't fall into that category, but I, I mean, I, I like. I love Massachusetts. It's, I love Boston, the city, but I, I, do too. It's I hate the winter. That's really what it, that's what did it for me. That's why I left. Cause I couldn't, I spent a lot of winters shoveling snow and, and needed to get yeah, out. The more Easter's are brutal. And like, yeah. so for those of the listeners who like, aren't from first, yeah, the, that aren't like familiar with Boston, like you'll get these massive snowstorms, like called nor'easters that'll jump, dump like 10 to 12 inches. And then it'll happen again next weekend. And then like the weekend after it, it'll be like, six yep. weeks and there's nowhere to put the snow and it's above your head and it's hard and it's icy and it's just like it's chaos because because winter sometimes starts in october and ends in like may and it was just it really uh, for me it, it just weighed on me I, I i did it for i mean i was born there like i did it for many 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 years and i just uh i never you know i didn't have money so i it's not like i could pay someone to shovel the snow like i it was me i was the guy so it was just all those winters i finally wanted to get away from it but but your your point about sort of cost of living and things like that it, it is it is expensive i'm now in los angeles better weather but expensive and so <laughs> i understand the the like reasoning behind out of state investing very well but, but just maybe tell us why you chose indiana or was indianapolis specifically or just just indiana uh, in general what what made you I, I recognize that that is a good cash flowing market and, and you know, prices are lower, but what, what kind of brought you there? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> um, so I just, I did like a lot of economic research, um, finance background, numbers. Like I like to make data-driven decisions, especially when it's based, when it's utilizing something that I worked so hard for, mm -hmm. you know, and that's hard to come by. Like that money was hard to come by <laughs> to get yeah, sure. for years of working. Um, and so I looked at things like just things that would drive that the economy, you know, like population growth, job growth, income growth, like where it is now, where it will be in a few years. How does that compare to what's happening in other parts of the country or like the average of the U.S.? Um, are, are there are like the municipalities investing locally? Like, what are they doing? What are you doing to foster local businesses? Like all these kinds of different things really impacts 
an economy and whether people like living there. And at the end of the day, your business model is entirely based on whether there are people there to pay for your services, right? right. So anything that would really impact that. And so Indianapolis did very well compared to many cities. I mean, there are other cities who are doing better, but at that time, prices were also lower. <laughs> so, you know, it was much, it was definitely easier to cash flow. I mean, it's deals are still to be found if you work hard and build the right network, but it's definitely more competitive here as it is, I think, everywhere. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly the prices of virtually every piece of real estate have gone up over the last three years. So that's not, not unique. But I, I, I think, um, yeah, it's just interesting to me because, you know, a lot of people talk about, the Southeast, you know, like the Carolinas, Georgia, Florida, uh, people talk about the Midwest. So we've got Ohio, Indiana, Indi Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Kentucky, that all of that. So it's, it's just, I'm always just kind of interested what makes people choose one over the other. And I think uh, for me, I sort of chose the Southeast in large part because it's a place I would live in the sense that like, if I ever, like, like you did, you decided to go be closer to your rentals. Like if I ever decide to go be, you know, sort of local, I, it, you know, it's a place that I would live. So it's kind of like it I, thinking about the future, I suppose. But so when, so you're, I, you said you're still working your W2. So you, I assume you're able to work remotely then if you're. I, I got a new job about almost a year ago, earlier this year. Um, and so now I'm back working in the office for a local company. Um, yeah, it just makes, it makes things were a little easier during COVID <laughs> to balance and juggle. Um, it definitely makes the trade-offs a little difficult, but it's worth it. You know, like the cash flow, the net worth increase, like the way I've been able to set myself up for the future. It's definitely shaved off years from my corporate journey. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's actually, maybe we can, this, we can tie this into the athletic discussion earlier. So one of the things I think that when you, when you talk about, you know, sort of your training and you're starting at a young age, and then you're putting in all this work and, and as you, you know, you sort of outline those days, it's just training, eat, sleep, training, workout, you know, it's just this, it's similar, right? It's similar. Yeah, that connection, literally, I only just today in this last minute made that connection. Yes, it's the same. <laughs> it's, it's right. It's very much, it's very similar. I mean, and it's like, it's, it's similar in the sense, like, obviously maybe you're not doing, maybe you still work out, but you're not like doing exactly the same things. But the point is you're, you're working hard to get to something that you see in the future. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, and, it, and it's again, like, this is what most people aren't willing to do. This is why not everybody is invested in real estate because no. it's, it's not it easy. Sucks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's days that really suck. And it's just, you know, ultimately the wins are pretty amazing, but like the losses are hard. And it's the same, I think the same up and down roller coaster you would see in athletics. Maybe, you know, once you're an established person it gets a little bit easier I guess but who knows but the <laughs> maybe it doesn't maybe I you hear I hear a lot about people saying like it gets billion, and yeah. you know that you can like survive it I know that's happened to me you know you don't know what you can survive and outlast yeah. until you go through it yeah yeah and, and people say like billionaires have just as many problems they're just bigger problems so it's not like different, yeah different you don't you don't 
get away from having problems to solve but that's part of the fun too is just that's you know that skill of of coming across an obstacle and then and then uh you know sort of beating that obstacle is is again it's it i think there's a lot of parallels to that in athletics but you your training and starting that at a very young age i think gives you that discipline to know that you're you're going to work hard you're not going to necessarily see anything for a little while, but it's so that, you know, you have this vision of how your life is going to be in the future. And that's going to let you allow you to get there by continuing to put in that work. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> what do they say? Sports imitates life or something like that. There's some, some saying about that, but, but it, it's, I think, you know, that's maybe the, the positive to going through that at a young age is that it, it does instill that, that discipline and also maybe just the willingness for delayed gratitude. Yeah. Because capacity to just like keep going no matter what people like throw at you. You're right, just, right. right. We right. got this. We're just gonna claw the mud out of our eyes. Gonna yeah. keep going. <laughs> yeah. You just you just uh, swap that one aside and, and go on to the next. And and so I mean I think that's that's very cool. And your you know that that relationship between the two areas um what do you what is your plan what do you see you know kind of going forward do you plan to get out of the corporate world and just sort of solely focus on real estate or what what's kind of your uh in your your vision board it's it's evolved in different ways so um my initial like i wanted to be in the nonprofit world when i started going back to school but then i realized like that is it's a really tough way to make any money and I was tired of being poor. <laughs> so, um, I caved, I still want to go back. There are different, there, there are different like issues that are really important to me, but also like, as I've gone through real estate, I'm realizing like what a handicap financial literacy is, is to many, you know? And so like, I just, I, I don't think I want to be in real estate real estate like solely full-time because to me that means like yeah we're going to syndicate we're going to find 100 unit apartment deals we're just going to rinse and repeat and like do preferred returns and find out like that sounds exhausting <laughs> um, what i do want to do is have enough like i have a passive net income goal i want to hit that i want to have time freedom back i've been basically working since i was six years old um, even after I retired, it was like two or three jobs. I haven't really stopped, not since grad school, not through grad, like it just never, it never stopped. Um, so I'd like to have some of that time back to just be. And then um, the third part of that is to be able to devote my time and to help people in areas that I think will really make an impact or at least do my part in my little corner. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's, a great segue into the sort of questions component of this because uh, you probably sort of just answered the first question but generally um, I like to ask people because the name of the podcast is know your why uh, you know sort of so what is what is your why Suni what do you uh, what what drives you I know I think you sort of touched on it but maybe um, if you would expand on that a little bit that'd be great yeah I think it for me it comes down to being able to live life on my terms you know like to not have to ration my days off and have to have my employer tell me when work comes before like 
like my friends or my family, you know, and to not have to put that before my own health and like all these things have happened, you know, and um, I don't think that's not, that's not the life I want to live. It's, I, I just want the time back to be able to explore what makes me curious, what I'm curious about, what excites me. Like, I just, I just want to live like my best life. And that's not within the confines of a cubicle. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, time freedom is, is huge. And it's, it's a, I think a, a common theme amongst, you know, real estate investors is, you know, sort of establishing it. And, and you touched on it. it it's not, you don't necessarily have to go, you know, sort of and, and be Grant Cardone or you don't have, meaning you don't have to have thousands of units. You don't have to go down that route. You can establish some level of passive income that allows you to, to know that sort of expenses are covered. And then you can do whatever you want. You don't, if you want to go on vacation for a month, you go on for a vacation for a month. If you want to have a nonprofit and, and focus on that, you can do that without, you know, sort of having to worry about money and just being able to, you know, kind of pay the bills. So I, I think it's, it's that, that time freedom is, is, I mean, it's definitely one of the things that pushes me. I think, you know, it, it would be silly, I think, to say that you're looking to not have to work hard. No. Because, because I have no doubt in this conversation that you will continue <laughs> to work hard no matter what. But it's just where you're going right. to work, yep. you know, like people who are able to like have air quotations, early retirement, I, they're high energy people with goals that just doesn't shut off, right. you know, yep. people with ambition. Like I tried this, like, I was like, maybe I can just have an easier life and like, just work at a job that worked for like three hours. And then I was like, okay, so what's next? So what am I going to do next? You right, know, right. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just being able to live, live the life that you want. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it, yeah, it d never working to me would get boring. Like I, I don't, yeah. I don't want to just kind of sit around, but I, but I want to sit around when I want to sit around. Right. And yeah. I want to, I want to spend time with my family when I want to spend time with my family and I want to work hard when I want to work hard. You know what I mean? And, and I just, I just want it to be up to me. And I think that's, that's really uh, an kind of empowering thing once you realize that. So, so very cool. Um, okay. Well, second question, we, we touched on so much at the beginning, this might be a hard one. <laughs> to, to, comprehensive interview. <laughs> I know, I know. We've learned everything. So this one, the question is, is basically maybe tell me something about yourself that, that people don't know. We now know that you were a professional athlete and all of that. I know, I know it's a hard one. Uh, you could even include I don't know, a skill or a hobby or a habit you'd like to pick up? I have no skills. <laughs> I don't believe I think, Zero. I think that's untrue. But. Outside, outside of like what we're talking about. I don't actually know. Um, were these questions sent to me? No. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, did I just mess up and like miss something? Because that would be very much in keeping. Um, with my personal brand of being a space cadet at times. Um, I don't know, like- You, you would have researched- I read an actual thing. book in years. How about that? Which is horrifying to admit. Like, I, I think a lot of people, even like audibles are hard for me just because after work, I'm like balancing so many things. Like calls are coming from contractors, like my short-term rental guest has a problem. Like I'm trying to work and meet this deadline that by the time like the end of the day comes, I'm like, whoo 
you know, so um, consuming information. I don't even know if I'm just blathering right now. I'm sorry. This is, this might be totally useless. There's <laughs> not a right answer to this question. And I think that the, the interesting thing is, is, you know, you'd, you'd mentioned, uh, you know, bigger pockets before. I think a lot of times now podcasts are like the new book in a way people, you know, listen to podcasts to consume information. Um, I also find I find Audible challenging. I'll listen, I, like I'm happy to listen to things in the car, but if it's like a book, I actually want the book in front of me and I go through phases and I'll read like a bunch of books in a row and then I don't read for a while. So I, I, it, it's not, there's different, you're focused on something different. And like I said, there's no right or wrong answer to this question. Um, I think you hear a lot of people- I'm admitting stuff on command. And maybe that's the new thing that I need to take with me. <laughs> I need to be mentally prepared to, about what I'm going to share. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I think it's, it's fun to have uh, spontaneity in the interview. So that's, that's no problem. Um, all right. Yeah. So don't read books. That's, the, <laughs> that's what we just learned about you. <laughs> no books, no book reading. That's okay. No. Um, so next one, uh, how, how would you like people to reach out to you when they, when they hear this interview and they're excited to touch base on, talk about what you're doing, what's the best way to reach you? Probably Instagram, everything else I tend to forget. That's just kind of in my face. So it's easier for me to remember. Uh, my handle is S-U-N-I underscore R-A-O underscore. Okay, and we'll put it in the show notes too so that people have it. Final question, um, what, what advice would you give to someone, you know, that's maybe thinking about starting their journey into real estate investing and, uh, you know, kind of in your shoes a few years back, what would you, what would you tell them? I think like the, the standard, like educate yourself as much as you can and then network as much as you can. But one thing that I've really learned, especially in the last year or two, is that like saying yes to every opportunity to expose yourself to something new, whether it's like, podcast whether it's people are like you should go to this conference and you're like I have no idea how I even fit in this doesn't even seem like tang tangentially related like something's falling down <laughs> anyway sorry I, I struggle to focus sometimes if you can, if you can tell um and then like just like yeah just to keep a very much of an open mind like you don't know where this journey is going to take you I never saw myself living in Indiana and actually liking really loving my life here so like just being open to different experiences will really like help the journey with real estate it's just the market's constantly changing. The environment's constantly changing. Like it's almost a prerequisite for overall success. Yeah. Yeah. Be, being willing to, you know, take a chance, get outside your comfort zone and, and you know, kind of adapt, I think is, is huge. Uh, it, it, that's, I think that's why a lot of people kind of get stuck in that analysis paralysis phase where it's just, you know, uh, I've read every book I've read, you know, <laughs> listen to every podcast, but uh, I'm, I'm afraid to take that chance. So I, and it's scary and that's fine. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, yeah, it's okay to be, you, you probably should be a little scared, right. But it does, it doesn't mean don't do it. It's, it's just be a little scared and <laughs> that probably tempers some of the risk you might take. So that's okay. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, um, yeah, that's, that's some great advice. Well, listen, this was really cool. I know you know, we talked, to, we got a little bit deep at the beginning there, which I think was great. Uh, so thank you for that. that matters. 
it does matter. It's very important. So I, I'm glad that we did. Um, and I just want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing your story with us. And I think it was great. I, I, uh, I think this will be a very popular episode. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. All right. Have a good day, everyone. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.